This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Because if you think about anatomy and where your baby's head is in relation to where your rectum is, they're kind of just side by side, right? And baby's head is rather large. So as it comes through that vagina and as you're pushing and as baby is born, it's going to push up against the side of that rectum and push out anything that is in that rectum. It's just going to come on right out. Hello and welcome to the Pete's Doc Talk podcast. This show's success is largely due to you and the way you share the podcast with others and leave reviews and show up every week. So thank you so much for joining us today. I am so grateful to have the most amazing guests to guide you in your parenting journey, topics about all things parenting, child health, child development, and also parental health, parental mental health, and preparing for baby. So today's guest is one of my repeat guests and one of my favorite people on social media. Thanks. Yes, Liesl Teen. She is a labor and delivery nurse and founder of Mommy Labor Nurse. Many of you may already know her. Many of you may have found my podcast through her podcast or her Instagram. And she's joining me to talk about things that a labor and delivery nurse needs you to know about labor, delivery, and postpartum. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. I know we've done these a few times. You've been on my show a couple times. I've been on your show a couple times. It just, we just love podcasts. It's, you know, we get real in depth. We love the podcast. I know we've done some lives on Instagram, really yes. just trying to figure out where people need us connecting, obviously, as a pediatrician, labor and delivery nurse, right. there's so much overlap of what we want people to learn. So I'm right. excited to chat with you on things that I may not even know that you would want us to know, which is things that a labor and delivery nurse would want people to know about their experience. So we were going to chat about just five to seven things or whatever you think that you wish people would know, or maybe things that you have people come in and they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that this is supposed mm-hmm. to happen. But before we get into that, for anyone who's not familiar with who you are, just introduce yourself and how and why you started Mommy Labor Nurse. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Liesl. I'm a labor and delivery nurse from Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm also the founder of Mommy Labor Nurse. I've been a labor and delivery nurse now for almost nine years this year, which is crazy to think about. I'm still at the bedside working with patients, Um, just had a shift last week. So I started Mommy Labor Nurse uh, about five years ago now, just to kind of bridge that gap, like you talked about in the beginning, because there actually wasn't a whole lot back then, (laughs) five years ago online. Healthcare education has really kind of taken off since then. So I like to say I was kind of the pioneer of, you were. of online birth education. So 
yeah, we get really creative and we do a lot of fun things over at Mommy Labor Nurse on Instagram and about to start up on YouTube. I have a TikTok. I, like I said, I have a podcast and we've got online birth classes too over on mommylabornurse.com. Well, I can agree completely that you are a pioneer, not just in health education, but just in education in general. I've mentioned this on another episode or even on your show that when I joined, a lot of people were like, not a lot of people are educating on social. I'm like, look at her. She's educating. So one of my best friends followed you. And then she was like, you need to follow this educational account. And I'm like, she's doing it. I can find a way to do my education too. So you are a pioneer. You're an inspiration. I love knowing you. And also just besides Mm -hmm. all the things that you do via education, you're just such a delight to know personality wise. So if anyone doesn't really know Liesl, she's just such a kind person, you know, wants to help others, but also just really wants to help just people get educated, but also work with other collaborators. And I know you have worked with me in many different different ways and help me actually start my journey on social. So really yeah. appreciate for all you do. Thank you. Yes. You're so sweet. <laughs> yeah. So let's get to it. So again, just kind of chatting about things that you wish people would know about labor delivery and postpartum. And you can start anywhere in that Love sort it. of uh, time frame. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is all kind of chronological, but maybe, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess maybe it's not, I'm not sure. It doesn't matter, but I'm going to start off with pooping because you got to start off with pooping. We're going to be talking about pooping today. So you got to start off with pooping. (laughs) So one thing I think that I would want people to know, this is one of my most common questions that I get, or, you know, when I put out a story box, people are afraid of like pooping, like what's it going to be like? How do I prevent it? That sort of stuff. So I like to just kind of talk about it. So it doesn't sound as scary. So number one, you probably will poop if you have a vaginal delivery as you're pushing your baby out, I would say about two out of three ish women poop at least a little bit during delivery. And that's the next thing that I like to bring up to is that if you do poop, it's not going to be like the kind of poop that we think of, like when we're going poop right in the toilet, it's not like a whole poop. Now, some people I've seen, it's quite a lot of poop, but I would say 99% of the people, 95, 99%, it's just a little bit. It's just like a little bit, you know, kind of on the back end, kind of coming out. Because if you think about anatomy and where your baby's head is in relation to where your rectum is, they're kind of just side by side, right? And baby's head is rather large. So as it comes through that vagina and as you're pushing and as baby is born, it's going to push up against the side of that rectum rectum and push out anything that is in that rectum. It's just going to come on right out. And then the last thing that I like to tell people about pooping while pushing is that we do a pretty good job of not like making a huge fuss out of it. You know, usually the first thing I do is just, I have a chucks pad right there that I can just kind of wipe it and make it go away. And I don't talk about it now. You know, you kind of have to read the room too. I've definitely had patients who are a little bit more comical and they are like, they're talking about pooping as they're pooping and they're like, just laughing and giggling about it. And then I'll, we'll talk about it, but like, That's kind of our rule. Like we don't talk about poop unless you'd start talking about it sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. That is a checkbox in orientation as a labor and delivery nurse. This is how you wipe and get rid of the poop. It's just goes over here and it's gone and it's fine. So yeah, hopefully that makes it just a little 
bit less scary. <laughs> well, I can say from my experience in medical school and also when I was in residency, you know, doing NICU rotation. So obviously if there's a need for the NICU to come down, the number, it's so amazing how many people start panicking when they're like, I feel like I need to poop. I feel like I need to poop. Yes. And we're like, just go ahead and poop. Like they're so scared about pooping in the delivery room because of course that's not where people normally poop. But yes, right. let's normalize that it's going to happen based on just the mere pushing and bearing down. And it's totally normal. And if anyone makes you feel like it's not normal, when then we may want to figure out if they really need to be in the room, but hopefully it's not the clinician or the nurses or anyone else, but it is completely normal. And I love that you just talked about that. And that's (laughs) amazing that we're starting this conversation talking about pooping because it shouldn't be a taboo topic. And it Mm -hmm. ends up being so they're like, I can't believe it's happening. Oh my gosh. It's embarrassing. Or even just passing gas. Like it's so funny. I'm like, yo, you're about to deliver a baby. This is great. Like focus on the baby, your gas snorts, any other sounds that come out of you are perfectly reasonable. And I get, we get self-conscious, but don't be (laughs) self-conscious. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. I mean, kind of the way to get through it is just accept it that it's going to happen sort of thing. And then everyone gets that it happens. I love it. That's a great first one. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So the next point is I want to talk about tearing a little bit mm-hmm. because that I would say is my next most common question that I get from people in my question boxes. How do I prevent tearing or like, what's the deal with tearing? I'm so afraid of tearing. Oh my gosh. Tell me what's the deal. So again, like pooping, most moms tear when they have a vaginal delivery, at least a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's not the kind of tear that you think of when you think of like ripping a paper, right? It's yeah. kind of more your vagina's very, um, I don't even know right the right word to describe it, but it's not level, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, there's a lot of just tissue. So when you're tearing, it's not like a clean cut. Now, if you have an episiotomy, that's more of a clean cut, right? So when I talk about tearing, I like to kind of set the stage and say that. And then I like to talk about the degrees. So yeah. there's a couple of different degrees of tearing. First degree is the least severe. And that's kind of just like getting a rug burn almost like just kind of skimming that surface of the skin and a little bit underneath the skin. And then a second degree is where you're kind of going a little bit deeper into your perineal muscles. And that one is the most common one that we see among first time moms. And I think just moms in general, most people will get a second degree or first degree tear. Now, I think the stat is like 93 or 95% of people will either have a second degree or a first degree. Now, of course, there are third degrees and fourth degrees that do happen to some people. So I don't want to say like, don't worry about getting a third or fourth degree because you might be one of those three or 4% of people, right? So a third degree is essentially, we're just going a little bit deeper and you're tearing muscle, you know, around your rectum and you're kind of just going into that muscle. And then a fourth degree is where you're going all the way through. And if you Mm -hmm. have a third degree or a fourth degree, it's going to be more of an extensive repair in the delivery room. We're going to be talking to you more about how to take care of it afterwards. But a lot of people think that it's like the scariest thing in the entire world to tear your vagina. And I get it. Like, think about when you stub your toe or you hurt anything else. You're like, oh my God, my vagina, that's the place that is most sacred to me. I don't want want to tear that thing. You know, it just sounds so, so horrible. So I like to kind of talk about the degrees at first. And then also tearing is the kind of thing, like as you're tearing, 
you're not usually thinking about tearing as it's happening. You're more thinking about the baby coming through. And then we kind of see, did you have a first degree? Did you have a second degree? Did you not tear at all? I would argue, now I can't say from a personal standpoint, but I would argue that not the third and fourth degrees, can't say that, but like a first, maybe even a second degree when you're delivering, especially if you're delivering unmedicated, you just feel the uncomfortableness of the baby and the ring of fire. There's not really something that's like, oh, I just tore really deep, you know, so kind of know that too, going into it. It's not like this moment that you knew you just tear. Now, I mean, maybe some people, I'm sure, yeah. maybe they're more in tune with their bodies or something. I don't know. But I certainly know that all I felt was my baby coming out of me. And I just didn't know if I, I just, it hurt because the baby was coming through, you know? As a pediatrician and mom, I love having brands I trust to recommend to new parents, which is why I'm excited to partner with Philips Avent, a brand dedicated to focusing on you and your baby by supporting parents with innovative products. Philips Avent offers a full range of products like anti-colic baby bottles with a unique air-free vent designed to keep air out so your baby is less gassy, natural baby bottles with a natural response nipple that mimics the breast, or our personal favorite, the Philips Avent Soothe Pacifier, made of 100% medical-grade silicone that keeps oral health in mind. And bonus, the Soothe Snuggle is the same trusted pacifier that comes with an adorable detachable plush toy for additional comfort. Philips Avent is my expert ally because they make me feel confident, reassured, and supported through my parenting journey. Check out Philips Avent products by visiting philips.com slash Avent and using promo code parentyourway20 for 20% off today. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child Child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
So yeah, tearing is definitely one of those ones that people get nervous about. There's been some evidence out there to show that a couple things you can do to prevent tearing. One of them I really like is using a warm compress during pushing. So mm -hmm. that just kind of helps the blood vessels dilate down there and gives it a little bit more elasticity. Right. So a nice, warm, warm compress down there as you're pushing. And you can talk to your labor and delivery nurse about that. I don't expect you to actually get a warm compress and hold it down there yourself. I want your nurse to do that or your doula to do that or somebody to do that. So that's a good one. And then perineal massage is the other one. People who are doing perineal massage are also doing these other things. And is it really right. these other things or is it the perineal massage? So, but I do think it is something you can actually do to feel like you're doing something, maybe to prevent things, right? And basically perineal massage, it's pretty easy. You just kind of put your thumbs or your two fingers, use some lube down there and you just kind of widen until you get to the very not edge, but like you stretch kind of as far as you can until it starts to get a little bit uncomfortable. And the sweet spot is actually not to do it every single day. I think I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's about once or twice a week, mm -hmm. starting at 35 weeks, something like that is the sweet spot where they saw that this group didn't tear the most. So yeah, that is tearing in a nutshell. And so recovery, I mean, obviously, so even for first, second, but definitely we know three and four, they're going to yeah. need stitches, like repair. Right. And so the recovery, does it depend on the degree? Like how many weeks in, um, will they have stitches? And also just to, is it usually, I mean, it could be different at your hospital versus others. Is it usually dissolvable stitches or stitches that have to be removed? I know the answer, but I just, I'm curious yeah. if you have differences. Yeah, we are not going to go in there and remove anything. Perfect. Do I, not I, worry. I want people to remember that. Yes, thank you. I'm like, yeah. I really hope that there is dissolvable. Yes, okay. okay. So dissolvable stitches are really important, which means that they just dissolve. You don't need to get any, go back to mm -hmm. have someone clip them back out. So this is such an important, I love that we're talking about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll add one more thing too yeah. before I go on to the next point too. Moms who have epidurals, if your epidural has been working, we usually don't have to numb you up any mm. extra down there if you have a tear and you need it repaired. For moms who go unmedicated or they don't have epidurals, there is usually your doctor will just, or your midwife will give some lidocaine and it's just a little, Yeah, the needle's actually not even that big. You just pushed out a baby. So the needle, it, it's just, exactly. it's I exactly. There you go. There yeah. you go. Um, so it just gets it nice and numb down there. And then your provider can stitch up what he or she needs to stitch up. And to answer your other question about like how many stitches, that's the other thing with, remember I was talking about yeah. how the vagina is not like a smooth surface. It's kind of hard. I also don't do the stitching. So I Yes. can't really explain exactly how they do it. I just know that it takes a lot longer for them to do a fourth degree than a first degree. Correct. Many so, different yeah. layers, obviously the degree Correct. of where it's coming down. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, understood. But yeah, in any of them, it is dissolvable. And obviously the recovery has a lot to do with like, pain management, ice afterwards as well. Like how you would, even yes. if there was no tear, just from like padsicles, like putting um, right. ice down there and making it so it doesn't get, you know, swelling and all that, that can happen after just any vaginal delivery for sure. Right. Yeah. Regardless of if you tear or not. Correct. Yeah. This is so important. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so next point is about C-sections mm -hmm. and this one is don't be too afraid of having an immediate C-section when you walk in the door. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now let me elaborate on that. So 
usually what happens during labor, okay, if we deem that, you know, you're probably going to have an emergency C-section, it's not like we don't know beforehand a little bit. Like we've been seeing the baby's heart rate is a little bit unstable and you've had to have some interventions done to help that or you have been bleeding a little bit more, you have something else going on that, you know, kind of in the back of your head, you know, I've signed that consent for the C-section and I know that it might happen. Right. So there's usually like an anticipatory period. It's not usually you walk in the door and you have a C-section. Now, obviously there are those cases that come in, you're having an abruption or something and like you're bleeding all crazy. And that's the only thing we can do is get you in the door and get you in the OR, right? But for the most part, if you're going to have a true emergency C-section, like we're putting you to sleep or your epidural is working good and they're just dosing you up super quick and we're rushing, we usually are trying to at least prep you a little bit beforehand. It's usually not an instance where everything's been going great and no problem and we're progressing and great, like, okay, oh, bam, go out the door. That's really number three is that it's more of a process. Oh yeah. And you've had two vaginal deliveries. I've had one C-section and I can say it's only been one, but there was an understanding that things are here. There is a possibility. So it wasn't completely a surprise. Of course, I will say from a C-section mama, like you kind of hope that maybe, maybe it won't go that way if you can avoid a surgery, but it can happen. And sometimes knowing that it's a possibility can kind of help you just mentally prepare, understand that you'll have to go in. But I love that you kind of debunk that sort of reality that it's not always like what we see in the movies, you know, like in a movie. Yes. Like you said, there's a small percentage of emergencies like that are true. Gosh, we got to get this baby out. And I've been there Mm -hmm. um, obviously from the other end. But yeah, that's a super small percentage of the drama that you Mm -hmm. see. And I love that you're talking about that because then I think that adds a little bit of fear. Then people are like, oh, my God, I'm going to walk through that door and they're going to drag me into the OR. Most doctors, I will say their goal is to do vaginal delivery if we can avoid a surgery if we can. But everything's about the health of the baby and the mom. So um, if it's deemed necessary, then from the medical standpoint, then I understand even from my own experience that it had to happen, even though I was so heartfelt on having a vaginal, I understood that I wasn't dilating. I was taking a long time and I got to go into that OR. And so, yes, I love that you're showing that love for the C-section mamas out there too. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. You guys need some love too. And I always say, you know, a C-section is just as much of a birth as a vaginal delivery. Oh, absolutely. And it's like, Yeah. I talked to a lot of women. I never had to push, but I talked to women who've had to do the pushing and then it ended up with the pushing. They had to go to a C-section. So they had vaginal involvement. So maybe they had a tear or they experienced already what you said about pooping worries, but they had the tear or they had all that. And then they had the C-section and they're like, oh my, it's the double of it. And double whammy. Double whammy. Just know that there's so many different ways that the baby needs to come out. But yes, I love your resources and I love your page and obviously all your courses as well for wherever you may end up finding yourself, you know, knowing and being informed of, I get it. It can seem scary, but it's not scary. And just understanding that this is why it's happening. And I love that you're doing that. Yeah, that's really what we're all about at Mommy Labor Nurse is trying to decrease some of that anxiety because, yeah, birth can be really, really scary, especially if you don't know what you're going into. So. Number four is you might not be able to get an epidural. They are not a hundred percent. Like if you decide you are an team epidural, there is a small chance that you might not be able to get one. It's not the kind of 
thing that, you know, everybody gets one and they're also not perfect. Okay. So let's go through this both kind of points. So have a lot of moms who come in and especially if they've had a baby before, maybe it's their second or their third baby and they come in and they had an epidural with their first one. They plan on getting an epidural with their second one, but their labor goes crazy fast. And by the time Mm -hmm. they get to the hospital, they are almost about to deliver this baby or we're prepping them for an epidural and they're like, I have to push (laughs) like I, so, you know, you go a little bit too quickly. And the thing with epidurals too, is it's not the kind of thing that it's just a one-time shot. You know, we just give it to you right quick. When you get in, we put your IV in and there, bam, you're good. It's a procedure that we have to prep for and we have to give you fluid and we have to have you sign a consent form and we have to get some supplies. We have to call anesthesia. They have to come up and do the whole procedure. It's not just this one little thing. So that's why this happens a lot of the time because it's not immediately, you can't get it immediately once you come into the hospital. So what I always tell people is even if you are gung-ho team epidural, I don't want to even think about pushing a baby out of my vagina without that epidural in, just put it in the back of your head. Okay. And (laughs) because it might be, it it just might happen. Okay. And learn some pain coping techniques just in case you have to use them. Okay. We have a lot of pain coping techniques in our online birth classes, Mm -hmm. learn some breathing techniques. One of the ones I have it right here, actually, one of the ones that I love to tell people about is pack a comb. Squeeze a comb during labor because that, like a TENS unit, can help to actually decrease that contraction pain because it sends your brain sensory information and helps to close out the pain information to your brain. It's kind of crazy. So learn pain coping techniques, regardless of if you want an epidural or not. That's the biggie there. And then I'll also just say quickly, epidurals are not perfect too. So even if you get one, sometimes it takes a while for it to kick in because initially you got the wrong dose or sometimes they're one-sided and we have to kind of flip you around and you're not super comfortable. Or sometimes you have these little things, we call them hot spots, where you have some pain that kind of like just reoccurred on the side and it's bothering you. I don't want you to go into this with the expectation that it is a hundred percent. Once I get my epidural, I'm going to be a hundred percent good. Like I'm not going to feel anything, you know, they're not perfect, right? They're not perfect. And a good working epidural should relieve your contraction pain evenly on both sides, but you still should be able to move your legs and your feet around and have movement. And you also still should be able to feel the pressure of baby's head. And that sometimes takes people by surprise. Yeah. Because they're like, I feel something and it doesn't feel so good. You're still going to be uncomfortable with the pressure of the baby's head as the baby's getting lower and eventually coming out of you. Yeah, because pain and pressure are different receptors. So, of course, people are like confused. And that's like, oh, man, that is a very important misconception to debunk because that can provide so much confusion. And I think I would love to have you back on to talk about medicated births. You know, I know you have resources on medicated and unmedicated births. And I love that you do the diversity C-section, vaginal, unmedicated, medicated, because depending on what people choose or find themselves doing, right? right? Sometimes you could have a plan on doing, like you said, wanting an epidural. And then you're like, whoa, okay, here we go. No epidural. Yeah. Or you went in thinking I have all my breathing techniques. I have all of the pain management. And you're like, give me that epidural. So now yeah. we provide, <laughs> you, you provide these resources because it's so great that you could change your mind or find yourself that it's happening for you. Like that yeah. you have to change your mind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, let me go over one last tip if that's Perfect. okay. If I still have yeah, time. Okay. Yes. Let's so. do it. The last one is if you have a vaginal delivery, your baby will fit through. 
I get it. Okay. It looks like a watermelon going through a straw kind of situation, right? I've done reels on this before. And when you think about a baby going through your vagina, you're like, how does that even work? Like my baby is nine pounds or eight pounds or whatever. Like how did that even happen? Okay. So what I will say is, remember you talked a little bit about elasticity with your vagina as when you're doing that warm compress, your vagina is very elastic. It's like a big old rubber band or something, and it can expand a lot during labor and as you're pushing. And it actually does expand during contractions that oxytocin helps to expand it as baby gets lower. So it gets really, really big. I've never seen anybody not be able to push out a baby because they had too small of a vagina. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because the vagina will always stretch. The pelvis is sometimes the issue is sometimes what will trip you up is your pelvis is shaped in a way and your baby is shaped in a way in there coming down and it's just not able to come through in any way, shape or form. Like it's just not coming. Vagina is vagina. It's going to stretch. Your pelvis is just different. So that's kind of a little bit how it works. So I promise it's going to fit through. And then guess what? It goes, whoop. It's not like it's there's there's this big hole. Then, yeah. That's it what doesn't happens. stay expanded. It doesn't stay it doesn't, like that. It doesn't. Baby. It gets the job done and then yeah. it brings it up. But I love and that go- you're differentiating the pelvis. Yeah. yeah, because yes, there's a reality that if the pelvic anatomy Correct. stuff that support that, but that's different than the vaginal area, which I think people, everyone could maybe use a refresher on female anatomy. <laughs> you know, so. we yes. learned it in grade school and maybe, you know, but if you don't, it's always nice to know, okay, this is what it is. And obviously um, educate yourself on how it is very possible. And sometimes I would hear mom say like that I have to deliver section because my baby's this pound, but no, like it really doesn't mean that X baby weight dictates that they need a C-section. It's really more what is happening in the delivery. What's the pelvis like, you know, like you said, and I love that you're talking about that too. Yeah. Yeah, sure. This is great. I love it. I love it. Well, that's my five tips. I love the five tips. I know you have so many more resources as we've discussed already on your Instagram account, Mommy Labor Nurse, but where can people find you, connect with you, say your Instagram handle again, and also your website and what uh, resources you all have? Because I know you already mentioned you have a bunch of different courses and resources that people can get educated with. Yeah. So you can find me most of the time on Instagram and my stories on the feed. We post on there, do lots of silly reels sometimes and lots of demos. Love the reels. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. It's just at mommy.labornurse on there. There is a dot after mommy labor nurse because somebody took mommy labor nurse when I was choosing oh, something. So bump, I couldn't yes. get the dot. the dot. Yes. I okay. do the oh, dot. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Mommy I know. Isn't it funny? Nurse. Yes, there yeah. you go. So mommy nurse on Instagram and then the same handle on TikTok if you're more of a TikTok person. And I kind of just post the same stuff on Instagram that I post on TikTok. And then, like I said, I do have a podcast as well. It's just the mommy labor nurse podcast that you can search on any platform, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast. And then we've got the site mommylabornurse.com where we have a big blog full of articles that you can read about pregnancy, birth, postpartum, breastfeeding newborn stuff, just an array of knowledge there. And that's where we also have our online birth courses too. Yes. And I'm going to be linking all of these resources on the show notes. And if, you know, obviously you're watching this, if we um, do put it on YouTube, I'm going to be putting that as well on our show notes or our caption as well. But thank you so much. It is so nice always chatting with you and connecting with you, not only professionally, but also as a friend. So I love that you were able to join me today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Mona. 
And for everyone listening, if you love this episode, remember leaving reviews and ratings really help the podcast continue to grow. And if you loved what Lisa was talking about, call her out, say how much you loved our conversation. And I will be having her on again because she's one of my favorite guests on the show, providing so much education, both on podcasts as well as on her Instagram and other resources. So thank you for joining us. And I can't wait to chat with another guest next week. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. You made it halfway through an episode, so you must be loving the show. If you love this show, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel where I share answers to all of the common topics submitted to me regarding child health, development, and debunking all that misinformation you hear online. My goal is for PDT to be a one-stop shop for your searching needs. Bye-bye late-night Googling. So make sure to go to YouTube and search Peds Doc Talk TV. Hit that subscribe button and binge watch all the amazing episodes and episodes to come. Have suggestions for future videos? Make sure to chat in the community section on my YouTube channel.